Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, our study continues on the topic of brave conversations. We'll be focusing on mental illness today as we look deeper into Psalm 88. Let's dig in. Today we find ourselves in Psalm 88. The interesting thing about Psalm 88 is out of the 150 songs in the book of Psalm, this one has been called the saddest song in the Bible. In fact, if you really pay attention to it, it may well be one of the saddest songs that has ever been written. And so today I thought maybe where we would begin is by just simply looking at the words to the entirety of this song from start to finish. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out to you by day, I come to you at night. Now hear my prayer, listen to my cry, for my life is full of troubles and death draws near. I am as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They have left me among the dead, and I lie like a corpse in the grave. I am forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. Your anger weighs me down. With wave after wave, you have engulfed me. You have driven my friends away by making me repulsive to them. I'm in a trap with no way of escape. My eyes are blinded by my tears. Each day I beg for your help, O Lord. I lift my hands to you for mercy. Are your wonderful deeds of any use to the dead? Do the dead rise up and praise you? Can those in the grave declare your unfailing love? Can they proclaim your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Can the darkness speak of your wondrous deeds? Can anyone in the land of forgetfulness talk about your righteousness? O Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep on pleading day by day. O Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? I have been sick and close to death since my youth. I stand helpless and desperate before your terrors. Your fierce anger has overwhelmed me. Your terrors have paralyzed me. They swirl around me like floodwaters all day long. They have engulfed me completely. You have taken away my companions and loved ones darkness is my closest friend. That last line may remind you of another song, Hello Darkness, My Old Friend, taken from this psalm. If I were to dig into the theology behind this song, what we would find is that what is being said of God does not seem to match up with the character of of God that we find in other places in scripture, that God caused this suffering, that God has rejected, that God has sent this since the psalmist's youth, that God has taken away all of the loved ones, that God has taken away all the companions. What we see here is an angry, vengeful God 
that is bloodthirsty and out to destroy the songwriter. I don't want to say that it is untrue, but I think what we can definitely say is in the mind and in the heart and in the soul of the songwriter in this moment, this is his truth. This is reality to him. Whether or not all of these statements that he makes is reality or, or are the reality that he faces or has faced, it doesn't necessarily seem to ring true to scripture, but we're going to set those aside for a very specific reason. It feels true to the songwriter. I think oftentimes what happens whenever we as followers of God or we as people who may be in a steady frame of heart and mind balanced, whenever we encounter people who are saying things or thinking or believing things such as this that seem to not match up to our experiences, that seem maybe a bit like crazy talk, is we will we will try maybe to express a different perspective and oftentimes that's not well received because what the songwriter or what the person is feeling is so all-encompassing that they can do nothing but seem to drown in those feelings and so you throw them a life draft or two when they don't grab on or whenever they continue to sink into their depression or into their mind or into the perspective that they believe is real, but you believe is not, we can throw our hands up in the air and say, what else can we do? Many of us stop interacting for fear that we will be sucked into that depression, to that perspective, to that viewpoint. And so we, a bit like Pilate, wash our hands of the situation or the issue and say, Somebody else needs to help out here. And so we do what may well be the worst thing that we can do is we cut ties, thus becoming one of those people in that last verse whom companions and loved ones have been cut out. We find ourselves numbered in that list. So where do we go with all of this? Well, the first thing that we perhaps need to understand and admit is that there is such a thing as mental illness. And it is not only prevalent, but mental illness is in all actuality, I would say, even pervasive, even in the church. As a pastor, I will be completely transparent to you and say that I find that there is not any less mental illness or people who face these things in the church than there are outside the church. In fact, one might even say, and I might say, that the church actually has seemingly a higher statistical number of people who struggle and deal with mental health issues than outside the church. And that may make a lot of sense because whenever people are struggling with something they can't fix, where do they turn? Well, either they will turn to God or they will turn to people whom they believe will be helpful to them and helping them walk through it. And so people end up in the church hoping for help, hoping for resolution, hoping to gain some sort of relief and release from these things. And I'm sorry to say that oftentimes they don't find it in the church. In fact, the statistics say that that somewhere in the neighborhood of 90% or plus of churches and pastors just like me, rarely, if 
ever talk in any way themselves or in their church around mental illness. And so it is something of a taboo topic, but it affects all of us. As as you can see uh, right over here, mental illness, we are told, can be temporary or can be chronic. Mental illness can be anything from something extremely serious like schizophrenia to something that is relatively, I'm going to say relatively because for the person who's suffering it, uh, it's not relatively, it's not minor, but but to temporary depression or anxiety, things that are stress or, or situational related rather than something that is maybe chemical related or uh, something that is more chronic in nature. Fascinating, 20% of us, one in five people each year will suffer with some level of mental illness. For those people who have chronic mental illness, 50% of those uh, will be diagnosed, or actually 50% of people uh, are diagnosed with a mental illness during their lifetime. Temporary, chronic, 50%. Half of us will at some point or other in our lifetime struggle with a mental illness. And so this is something that touches all of our families, touches all of our churches. And of those who are, of those who are diagnosed with a chronic mental illness, think about this. Over half of those are diagnosed by the age of 14. So middle school, youth, your kids' friends, 75% of those who have chronic mental illness are diagnosed by the age of 24. And so whenever we come to this topic of mental illness, it is something that the church and church people must face and must know how to handle in those situations. And so this week, as we walk through this study, that is what we are going to try to accomplish on some level. But before we go, what I want to do is I want to talk just a little bit about what I see in this psalm itself. Um, I see a lot of blame placed on God, and that doesn't terrify me. In fact, God probably is more than willing to accept whatever it is that we're willing to lay at his feet. But whenever we come at people with mental illness, whenever we are interacting, if the blame is being placed on God, if the blame is being placed in other places, I don't want that to scare you away. I want you to strive to remain in relationship with those who are struggling, whether it be in a temporary illness or whether it be in a chronic illness. I want you to try as much as you can and remain in community with them. In fact, the worst thing that you can do is sever tie and sever relationship. When we look at this Psalm 88, it is a reminder to us of the power of community. One of the things that the psalmist, the songwriter here is longing for is a community. He feels isolated. He feels abandoned. He feels alone, not just from God, but from those around him. And so whenever we come at this psalm, we can see this as an individual lament, but really this should be a community lament. This should be a communal lament. We should be seeing a surrounding of people around this songwriter saying, I'm here alongside you. I'm standing in solidarity with you. I'm here. But we don't seem to see that in this passage. And I love, and uh, this is directly from Elizabeth Hagen's book. I love this statement. And I think maybe this week we will continue to come back to this statement. In the community of God, your sorrow is my sorrow. 
and my sorrow is yours. Our pain is shared. I think that whenever we are talking about issues such as anxiety and depression, whenever we're talking about issues such as stress and isolation, whenever we're talking about other topics that are under the umbrella of a mental illness, we, we understand that this is something that statistically most of us are at some point or other going to deal with ourselves or in our family. And one of the most important things to help us navigate through that is a community around us. And this is what the community of God is here for, is for these difficult and tough moments like this, so that we may carry each other's burdens, so that we may share each other's sorrows. Your sorrow is my sorrow, and my sorrow is yours, and our pain is shared. Do not ask those who are struggling to walk the path of illness alone, especially mental illness. Now, the other thing that I want to say before we go today, and we're going to spend some time this week looking at some pretty incredible examples of mental illness, and how to handle them and how not to handle them in scripture. And, and you're going to be surprised at the names of people who come up as, as having a mental illness that, that you, never, you never actually considered that that may have been the reason why they did what they did. And in many times and in many places, what we're going to see this week, and I, I don't want to give too much. I don't want to share too much. What you're going to find is that um, there are many people in the Bible who actually end up leveraging their mental illness and becoming heroes because of it. Just because you face something that the world may look at and say, you're no good. You got nothing to offer. <laughs> you're you're too broken to be of service or to use to anyone. We're just gonna sit you over here. We're gonna sideline you. We don't see that in scripture. What we actually see in scripture is the people who struggle the most, people who struggle even the most with with mental illness and with mental health issues, actually are some of the greatest heroes in scripture. Not despite not to spite, but out of, because of. And so I, I don't want you to see yourself as broken. I don't want you to see yourself as less than if you struggle with those things. You may not see it as a gift yet, but God can still use you. You can still be used greatly and mightily. The other thing, though, that I want to say, and with this we'll close, unless... You're a licensed, certified therapist, counselor, psychologist, mental health person. You don't have the tools or the understanding to truly help. Now, myself as a pastor, even this is this is this is a place where a lot of pastors end up failing as well. Uh, do I have training and experience in mental health issues? Yes, I do. But even I'm not equipped. Even I'm not fully and best equipped to help. And so there, there is, there is the reality that though we are people of faith and though we believe that, that the Bible is our, our guide, we also have to understand that, that we are not always the best to help and to navigate and to bring health to those who struggle. And so I want to encourage you 
to stay involved and to stay in relationship with those who are struggling, but I also want to encourage you to push them towards people who can truly help as well. Don't go it alone. Don't try and fix the problems. Don't try and navigate it yourself. There are many people out there who are more than equipped to handle and to help. And especially for those health issues that are temporary to make those as short as possible. If you need help identifying who those connections and those people are, reach out to me anytime and I'll help connect you to those resources wherever you are in your community. This Bible study on Brave Conversations is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy to follow guide in the show notes. We would love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation. Our mission, it's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. And when you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list there. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our conversation on mental illness. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well over at www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.